Father, no matter what goes on in our life, no matter what mountain rises up in front of us, no matter how tall the mountain or how deep the valley is, Lord, no matter all the situations that come against the man and woman of God, we ask that you would help us to let our lives praise you, God. In the difficult times and the hard times, when our hearts are broken, Lord, I pray that our lives will praise you, that you will receive honor and praise from our life, how we conduct ourselves, how we live, how we act, how we speak. Father, I pray no matter how difficult it gets to be a Christian, to be a pastor in the United States, I pray that this church and the people of this church would live to praise you. And Lord, we know that we cannot do it on our own. I pray for the Spirit of Almighty God to come now into the service. God, the Holy Ghost, you are welcome here. Please come. Please move upon us. Lead us and guide us through this service. May your anointing, Lord, fall upon me now. Or may you just hide me behind the cross so that your word can be unhindered by my inability. Bless those that have come to hear the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Quite a while ago, in fact, years ago, um, maybe I've preached it in this sanctuary, I can't even remember, preached the message um, on seasons, seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. And again, thinking again about our church and all the various things that go on inside the church, various seasons that you go through in Christ. I mean, spring can be lush and green and everything's awesome. The guys from L.A., when they got off the airplane and walked into Ohio, they were stunned at how green everything was. They just don't see all the hills and the lush green. So there's those times, and in the summertime, the heat, the exhaustion. Fall, the freshness, you can tell the heat's leaving. And winter, that cold grip that we like to call old man winter. And I was thinking about our church, and it just seems like at the moment we're in the season as a church. Now, individually, it could be different for you. I know some have just been uh, brought to Christ and excited and everything's rich and green. That's awesome. That's awesome. But in a church, you kind of go through things, too. Uh, and it's, it's, it, to me, it seems like kind of a just a summer season where it's hot. And I think this summer, I don't know, six weeks ago, we had to go south. South Carolina to a wedding, and I mean, it was absolutely, it was an outdoor wedding, and the heat index was 108, and it was like useless to be outside. I mean, instantly you were soaked, instantly you, you didn't want to play anything, you didn't care who got married, it was just so hot. My glasses were absolutely useless, uh, because as soon as I would go out, they would instantly fog up, and they would stay that way. One time, our car, uh, everything was wet. Um, the dashboard, where you read, you know, all your gauges, the inside, of the, just totally from the heat. 
And that kind of stuff just wears you out. I can't even imagine how some of you guys who have to go to work every day in that type of heat come back exhausted, your body beaten down by that heat. And that's what can happen to us as a church in those seasons, in those seasons of summer. Uh, we would go and watch the guys play softball, and towards the end, it didn't even want to go because it was so hot. So it was like I'm standing in three inches of dust trying to be the third base coach. I said to the one of the players, I said, dude, it is so hot. Why don't we just say you win the first one, we win the second one? It wasn't any fun at all. That that which is normally fun, you know, be there, root the guys on. It's like, oh, man, it's just so. And it can be that way sometimes in the ministry, the heat. And all alone, attempting to serve God, do what's right, live holy, defeat yourself and the attacks of the enemy that come on you. Not alone that, I still believe that God is still calling us to do that which we cannot do. And you got that on top of all this heat that I can't see again. And, and so it's just, sometimes you just. So I titled tonight's message, because this can happen to us. Have you lost your nevertheless? And we'll make that point here in a minute. Have you lost it? This nevertheless is the title. And we're going to look at Nehemiah first. Nehemiah 4, starting with verse 1. It says, and it came to pass. Now, think of us as a ministry or the ministry you might be in or just you, just yourself as a woman of God or a man of God. And it says, now it came to pass that when Sanballat, that's a type of the enemy, it's a type of Satan, heard that we builded the wall. He was wroth. He was angry. He took great indignation, great wrath. He just wasn't bummed out. He took great indignation and he started to mock the Jews. Started to make fun of them through his anger. That he was so upset that they would dare to attempt to do something for God. And Nehemiah brings this out. And he spake before his brother the army. He was so hot he took this before the entire army. About what you were attempting to do for God. He took up before all the imps and demons and devils that have given up their uh, angelship, if that's a word, before God and have fallen and become demons. He took up before all of them and says, do you see what those people do? Do you see the children's ministry that Christy Fisher wants? And he's taken it before them all on how you or I attempt to serve God. And he mocks us and makes fun of us. And he spake before his brother in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews with thy will they fortify themselves? Now, how many times the enemy has come upon you and said, What are you going to do for God? That you're useless and weak and you really don't finish anything you started. Coming from the enemy, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in the day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are which are burned? Singing that song, God, rise the church up again out of the ashes. And that's what they were saying. You're nothing but a bunch of ashes. That's all you are. Now, Tobiah, the Ammonite, was by him. And he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, 
He shall even break down their stones. It even seems like some of the few steps that we take and have success in God, we seem to stumble backwards and and fall. And he says, even a fox will break down what you attempt to do. And so the people, again, their weapon is prayer. And they say, hear, O our God, for we are despised. And the church is. The true Christian is despised in this world. Hated in this nation. We are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity. Let not their sins be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall. They're saying, let's get back at what we're supposed to be doing. Just like you and I do. Come on. We've got to serve God. We're going to give it our all again. And so all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. And so you get yourself together again, even after the heat and the attack, and you can't see, and you're going on, you said, we got to do this. This is what God has called us to do. Verse 7, But it came to pass, again, that when Sanballat and Tobiah, and the Arabians, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and the breaches began to be stopped. Again, they were very angry. Now we're not just talking about Sanballat. We're talking about all these guys coming together with all their evil armies and influences and thoughts and things that come against us. They conspired all of them together to come and to fight against you and to hinder you. And here's the great word that Nehemiah says. Nevertheless, No matter what they do, no matter how many conspire, no matter how many times I fall in skin, no matter how many times my heart is broken, no matter how many times I'm disappointed, nevertheless, and you can't lose that nevertheless. If you lose it, you're sunk. You're done. Because this is what it is. It's a fight. Christianity is a war. The enemy hates the very fact that you would attempt to build something for him. You're going to put your family upon the rock. You're going to start serving God and all your your wife and your children are going to start falling in line. The enemy goes, what is that? Who's doing this? And they conspire against you. And so things happen. The trials, the heat, the battle that rages like never before. And you got to have that spit in you. you got to have that nevertheless. No matter what they do. He's come back with eight times bigger army, nevertheless, which that word means in spite of all that he does. How many trials? And I got to start over again. Nevertheless, they said, we made our prayers unto our God and we set a watch against them day and night because of them. And the enemy wants you to lose or lay down your nevertheless. To the point that you forget where it is. And you start sitting down and backing off. And not wanting to be involved again. And not opening yourself up for ridicule or ministry or whatever it takes. As you know it happens. We said that this morning. We read it in the New Living Translation. It says, be sure your friends are going to make fun of you. When you give your heart to God. And so Nehemiah and all this stuff coming against Nehemiah. You would think he would say, man, we give it our best shot. He said, nevertheless, in spite of. Now it's Sam Ballot. Now it's Sam Ballot and Tobiah. 
the Arabians, the Ammonites. He's looking at them. He's counting them. Throngs and thousands come against the work of God. You would think it's a perfect time to say, and we gathered our best shot. He says, nevertheless, in spite of everything that's coming against us, in spite of everyone, it seems like we're all alone in spite of it all. Nevertheless, they continued the work of God. Luke 5, verse 1, and it says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesa and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were fishing and were washing their nets. Came back from fishing, washing their nets. Remember, we told you it's a large nets. Not just these little zip code things you wheel in or reel out. I mean, this is a toil and a job. He entered into one of their ships, which was Simeon's or Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when they had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught or for a catch. Now, how many times have you answered God like this? And Simon answering said unto him, Master, I mean, exhausted, filthy, dirty. It's like going back out into that 108 heat again, soaking wet. Master, we have toiled, not just cast, zzz, not to, we have toiled all night. He said to them, toiled all night and haven't, we have taken nothing. We're beat. We're exhausted. Get another ship. Get another crew. Can this wait a little? Exhausted. Totally. That word toiled. Let's look at that. To grow weary. That's what you do in the heat and in the sun as it beats down on you. Roofers will be out there at five in the morning, six in the morning, almost before light. Because they know, man, if they wait till noon, they're toast. Because the heat will beat and then reflect off. They'll be just melting up there. And they're going, man, we toiled. We're totally grown weary, tired, exhausted with these toils and burdens of attempting to serve God in these battles and these fiery darts. And here comes another thought, an evil thought. And, and so there come, you come to a point where you're totally exhausted. And God says to you, come on, do it again. Praise me. Worship me. I'm calling you to go where you cannot go. And your reply needs to be the same as the fishermen. Nevertheless, exhausted and tired and defeated and caught nothing. And got to get the nets again and get them down off from, from drying and put them back in the... Nevertheless, God, at your word, we'll do it again. And I'll take a totally. Have you lost your nevertheless? Dangerous to lose that. Because the wind blows and the Eurachlodons come and the storms and the earthquakes and the disappointments and the heartaches. Then you gotta go nevertheless. Well, thousand fall here and ten thousand Nevertheless, God, I'm going on. Let's look at Paul's life a little. I'm going to read this part of the New Living Translation. 
just so it's all clear for all of us. Second Chronicles 11.23 starts off with Paul saying, They say they serve Christ. I know I sound like a, a madman, but I serve Him far more. I have worked harder, been put in jail more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Verse 24 says, Five different times the Jews gave me 39 lashes. Five different times. Almost 200 stripes on this man's back. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. How many times would you be going, Are you sure God loves me? I don't know. If God, I don't know. Why would all this happen to me if God loves me? That's the American Christian concept because we make this thing all about us. I was just sharing with someone. What are they? Let me get it right. Geico and Gecko, right? Geico's the company. Gecko's the little thing. And now his, his boss is in this convention and is before the convention. I don't know if anybody's seen it yet. Probably have. And they got Gecko little dolls and Gecko t-shirts and Gecko cups. And the Geico says to the boss, isn't this a little much? This shouldn't be about me. That little, li- is that guy say? See, because we've made this about us. We, we've made it about us. And, and so Paul's going through all this stuff three times. I was shipwrecked. Man, remember I told you I'm a swimming pool side dwelling hugger. I love hugging the swimming pool because it's deep out there. And I wouldn't mind sometime before the Lord calls me, Home, I wouldn't mind, mind, I don't even want to do this right away. I wouldn't mind taking a cruise. But I know all I could think of is when I'm on that cruise, how many of you have seen the, the latest Titanic movie? And, you know, it looks big, and all of a sudden they pan away. It's the pan away shot when it's dead at sea in the middle of the night, and they pan away, and this big ship gets to be this little spot in this black, massive. That'll be me if I take, I know it. Well, shipwreck. Paul says, I have done this three times. Three times. Coming back from one shipwreck, wouldn't you say, God, anything you want to do, but I'm not going on another ship. I'll love you. I'll serve you. I'll go camel, but I'm not going on another ship. Three times. And then it happens again the second time. And then somehow through circumstances, he knows he's got to buy a ticket for another one. But Paul says, three times. Please, we read over these two fast. Three times shipwrecked. Out on that deep. In that ocean. you got to be kidding me. Beaten with rods. Lashes. Over and over. To this life of this man of God. A night and a day in the deep. Going up and down in the waves. I know you'll laugh, but you're, most of you are probably like me. Up to my ankles at the beach down there in South Carolina, wondering what is touching. A night and a day in the deep. A night and a day. Maybe at 24 hours in the deep. I'd have a long list to tell God why I'm, I'm done. I quit. You're a cool God and I love you, but that night and a day in the deep, I, that, that put me over the edge, God. I, I'm sorry. I just can't handle that. I just can't do that. Then he says, I have traveled many weary miles. I have faced danger 
from flooded rivers, from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on stormy seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be Christians, but are not. I have lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. Often I have shivered with cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of of how these churches are getting along and all the people and the splits and the problems and the false doctrine. Now let's go to Philippians 1 verse 12. Again, the New Living Translation. Paul says this, writing again, he says, And I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone, for everyone here, including all the soldiers in the palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Now he's writing from prison. Now he's in prison. He's in chains. In a dungeon somewhere. Even the soldiers and those who guard me know that I am in chains because of Christ. Verse 14 says, and because of my imprisonment. He's in jail now. After all, I just read a little capsule of his life. Now he's in jail. Many of the Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Because what they've seen, I've been going, you got to get another one, God. Get someone else to do that for them. Some are preaching out of jealousy. And all, all this nonsense is, is going on. Going on, people in competition with each other. He said, even in the midst of all his struggles and heartaches and another ship going down again and he barely makes it back to life and now this church is in competition against this church. You can see it here. Others preach about Christ with pure motives. Others are in competition. They preach because they love me. For they know the Lord brought me here to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives. Same stuff that we go through as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. But whether or not their motives are pure, the fact remains that the message about Christ is being preached. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Then he goes on and says, For I know that as you pray for me and as the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will all turn out for my deliverance. Man, what a word. No matter what you're going through, no matter the heartaches and the situations, Paul says, I know this will all work out for my deliverance. Listen what he goes. He goes on and says, For I live in eager expectation and hope that I will never do anything that causes me shame, but that I, I, I will always be bold for Christ as I have been in the past, and that my life will always honor Christ whether I live or I die. Then he goes on and says, those awesome words for me to live, for me to, for to me, living is for Christ and dying is even better. Yes, if I live, that means fruitful service for Christ. 
I really don't know which is better. 23 in a new living, he says, I'm torn between two desires. Sometimes I want to live and sometimes I long to go to be with Christ. That would be far better for me. And he's thinking about everything that he's gone through, the beatings, the scars, the wounds, the disappointments, the rejections. He goes, oh man, I really long to go and be with him. And then he says that word. Nevertheless, I'll choose to stay so I may continue to help. Are you kidding me? Paul, did you say nevertheless? In spite of everything that I read to you, the shipwrecks, the beatings, the false brethren, those who messed it up all the churches he started, the competition, the bickering, the pushing to see who's bigger, who's got many, how many you got in Sunday school, the lies, the deceit, the deceptions, the stealings. Paul goes, man, I'm torn. Oh, I want to just go home to be with the Lord. So I'll be over. And he goes, nevertheless, it's better for you that I live. Just like we talked about this morning, if we lose our love, which the Bible says hinges the entire law, everything hinges. This is the love. If that gets old and stiff, it's It's useless. Absolutely useless. And you have to know that you are in a war. And there are sufferings, there's agony, there's wounds, there's betrayals, there's lies. It's the way it is. There's competitions. It's the way it's always been. And that's the way it is. And Paul said, nevertheless, in spite of all that, is what that word means. Nevertheless, I choose to live. That's amazing. He's choosing to live for those that are around. I mean, that's a long list to quit. The toiling, the nets, the cut hands, the salt, sea salt in the hands, the ruggedness, the sun, the beating, the muscles aching from the another net. And Jesus says, you look at him, he goes, do it again. You're like, what? God, cut me a break. What? But then they go, in spite of my muscles and my aching, and God, we have nothing to show for it all day. We've toiled here right on 40, 20 years. Nevertheless, is what God has told. And the last one. Then come Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. Saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And you already know. You already know where I'm going with this. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Now look, and immediately it says, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Something came upon their Lord. Very sorrowful, very heavy with the weight that he knew he was going to die and what kind of death. And they're looking at him. And he's just probably in agony and in prayer, heaviness. Then he said unto them, My soul is exceedingly, exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. I mean, this is what was going on. And God just didn't skip to, you know, I'm God and this is the climax, man. This is the, this is the big moment where all the lights are going to hit and the thunder and the rain. They're really going to be shocked when those rocks split. And I mean, he knew what's going to happen to him. He knew he was going to be stripped naked, beat, punched, not even recognizable. And at that moment, he's going, He said, Father, if it's possible, sweat 
and imagining what's going to happen to him. And through that heaviness, exceeding sorrowfulness, he went, nevertheless, in spite of all, in spite that they're all going to reject me, they're going to spit on me, I'll do it. Now, if you lose that nevertheless, you'll be like, hey, this was a nice ride. We did this church for 20 plus years. We're worn out. We're done. If you lose that nevertheless, again, like I told you this morning, this is real Christianity. In spite of overwhelming odd. Oh, look, now the Amorites. Now the Arabians. What are we going to do, Nehemiah? What are we going to do? And Nehemiah says, nevertheless, we're going to build that wall. Second Timothy 1, Paul says to Timothy, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Your nevertheless is that persuasion. Wow. I don't care how many they are. I don't care if I die for Christ. I don't care if he's called me to be a martyr. I don't care. In spite of it all, we're going to serve Christ. And in Paul's great words to the Christians in Rome, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, when you lose your principality, Another hot day of disappointment. And the whale's dry. And no one cares. Will cause you, someone else. God gives you back that nevertheless. You'll be, I am persuaded. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, or who the heck knows what's coming. There's always something that's coming. Nor height, nor depth, no matter how far we stumble nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the nevertheless. Nevertheless that we must have. I had a couple tell me years ago, years ago, sweet couple, loved God. I don't even know if they are anymore. Years ago when when gas seemed to triple, they said, we can't afford gas to come to church. Whoa, what? What? Just because gas triples. Nevertheless. That's not in us Americans. Not rejection, because you'll have it. Not betrayal, because you'll have it. You will have it. Not false brother, because they're here. Not fatigue. Not sickness. Not peer pressure. Not loss of income. Whatever. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our altar call is going to be simple. If you just felt like you've lost your nevertheless, your spit, your oomph, your drive, your love, your desire, whatever you want to call it. I had no clue what I was going to preach on tonight. I just, I just had none. None whatsoever. And driving over to the office, I went, here I go again, God. I honestly don't have a clue. And I swear to you, I just sat in the chair and it's as if he floated the word out of heaven down into my head. Nevertheless, I wasn't thinking of that. I had no reason to think of it. 
I wasn't driving here going, ooh, ooh, I can't wait to look up what nevertheless means. I wasn't even thinking of it. And all of a sudden, I just punched in nevertheless, and bam, I had all the... I thought, God, this is awesome. Because trials, storms, splits, false preachers, man, Lord, you've got to have your nevertheless. You've got to have it no matter what. In spite of it all, God. That's what Nehemiah said. That's what Paul said. And that's what your Jesus said. Totally undone what was facing him. He said, Father, if possible, please. Through the heaving and the weeping probably, and maybe the trembling and the sweat coming down off of him, he said that word, nevertheless, in spite of it all. I'll drink that cup. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And for a lot of you, if not all of us, the heat talking about the chomping of the purging. and I said, I don't even know if it's purging. Maybe, yes, could be, but even like a sifting, even a finer, a shaking and a sifting and a heat and the sun and can't even see and what's going on and they're still sick and what? And you got to have that nevertheless. And you know what? There isn't any of this. I'll just suck it up. <laughs> and nevertheless, I'll be better. You can't. You've got to get this from God. You've got to say, God, I don't know where it is. I don't know what to do with it. I didn't take care of it. I don't want it. I threw it out the window the other day. Whatever it is, however. I say, God, it's right. I want my nevertheless back. And so that will be our altar call. Our altar is open. Please come. Make that commitment to God.